Blau und weiß sein lieben Lahn. Herzlich willkommen zurück auf Shark America. I'm your host, Richard Carmen. Uh, welcome to another episode of Shark America, episode 201. Uh, joining me as always, co-host Jack Mangan. Jack, how are you doing? Uh, not great. Sitting at, what, 16th in the table at the moment. Yeah, in um, a relegation spot. Ugh. Yeah, uh, not a victory Monday. And... Uh, Not a particularly happy Monday either. Weird game. Looking forward to kind of talking to you about it. Uh, I think if you look yeah. at the scoreline and maybe just the first half, you have kind of one impression. Second half was a little bit of a different story, and I think some of the goals that were scored overall are a little bit um, – maybe, you know, the scoreline paints a harsher picture. But um, lots of things going on in camp off the field as well, right, uh, with, uh, you know, lots of leaks and things coming out in terms of attitudes <laughs> of the players. Not a good situation for Schalke at the moment at the bottom of the table, and uh, it seems like a pretty fractured group at the moment. It does. It does. As you mentioned, we are sitting in a relegation spot at the moment. Uh, things do not seem to be wonderful in Gelsenkirchen. Uh, but, yeah, you know, coming off uh, well, the last game, though we won 4-3 against Magdeburg, Gave up three goals. This game gave up three goals. And you, like you said, the goals and when it came, it could it could alter how it made it look worse than it was, or did it right? And I, I think, uh, and I'll get into some of the one of the areas of strength I thought during the season or the beginning of the season is now a weakness for me. Uh, not the weakness, the defense is the weakness for sure. But uh, we'll get into that. But yeah, I lost three one to St. Pauli. Uh, goals from Marcel Hartel, uh, FIFA player, if you know from uh, Union Berlin days, uh, scored a penalty in the 21st minute, 57th minute as well, with uh, a constellation goals by Bukalfa in the 92nd minute. Uh, Sebastian Poulter did get a constellation in the 29th minute. Um, looking at the lineups for these two teams, there were some danger men, you know, to look at for St. Pauli, the home team. By the way, the the home crowd for St. Pauli was fantastic with the flares and jumping around and singing. Nordkurv was as well, very lively in this one. Uh, we get to the lineups: um, Vasily in goal with uh, Val Smith and and Metz in the back. Midfield five of uh, Saliakis, Metcalf, Hartzell, Aritzka with um, Afolayan, Egestein, and Saad in the in the top. For me, the two guys, obviously, Egestein is a guy. Egestein is a guy who terrorizes Schalke. It seems like no matter who he plays for or when he plays, what league it is, uh, he seems to do the job against Schalke. Though this game is a little quiet, kind of. Uh, and Hartel is a guy who had my had my who I had a lot of pay attention to just because one I knew I know about him mostly from FIFA, uh, but he is a player who is pretty decent. I mean, uh, going into this game, those are two guys that you were looking at. Was anybody else that was jumping out at you? What were your thoughts? On this same Pauli lineup. I mean, yeah, in terms of the names, you know, before the game, I would agree with you. Um, <clears throat> I think, I mean, obviously Hartzell scored a couple goals and looked great. Um, I thought, I thought Saad was dangerous at times as well. Didn't uh, get the end product. Ultimately, became close a couple times and was was pretty dangerous up front. Um, and I thought uh, you met Calf centrally and actually, you know, the wing backs as well were were effective at times too. So, um, you know, decent yeah. performance overall from St. Pauli. I would certainly agree with that. And then looking at our lineup um, with uh, the uh, 
injured uh, Mueller, who, by the way, who picked up an injury, who's out for several months with an Achilles tendon or something or other. Fairman still not quite recovered yet. He is in training, but he isn't ready. He's in match fit. Misha Langer would, would get between the pipes in this one. Uh, you had Bruner, Baumgartel, Kaminsky, and Oyan in the back. In the, in the midfield, you had Schallenberg, Seguin, and Templeman with Merkin and Kabadai with uh, Poulter up top. Thoughts on the lineup? Um, depends on how you look at it. It's a 4 4 2, 4 3, 2 1. Four, three, whatever it is, uh, it's fairly similar lineup uh, that we've seen at least a couple weeks, I think. Yeah, uh, Poulter, you know, obviously getting getting the run at the moment um, up top and looking decent. You know, you got you got to say, I think overall, I think his work base, his work rate's been great as well. Um, uh, he was tracking back consistently this one on the defensive F, uh, defensive side of things to try to help out, um, and ultimately got his goal, which we'll talk about in a minute here. Um, uh, yeah, uh, Kapadai is getting kind of a, a run recently. He seems to me to be uh, industrious and, you know, but mostly danger adjacent, just does not have the final product in, in the final third. Adjacent. I love that. Um, yeah, it, I mean, yeah, he's, you, you look like he's, you think he's going to be more dangerous than he ultimately is. He just can't um, really hit, you know, a barn door at the moment. But uh, still, like I said, industrious and had a couple nice passes as well, setting up teammates for opportunities. Um, and then, yeah, Merkin, uh, since we brought him on recently, has looked pretty bright. I'm glad to see that he's uh, continuing. And then at the back, it's pretty much what you would expect at this point um, in terms of the yeah. back four. Uh, another game oh, off the substitute bench, we would see Kazuki, Kalash, Kiki Top, and Odraogo. Uh, interesting how, you know, you don't see, obviously, Odraogo is coming off the bench and Kiki Top as well. But no Tobias Moore, who did well in recent recent games. Henny Matriciani, a guy who's, you know, a cult hero at this point. Uh, with Schalke, don't see him. So you're, you're curious about those. Obviously, the goal, the goalkeeper situation is a little uh, suspect at the moment. But you know the way this game started off. Obviously, the game is in Hamburg. Uh, the crowd is lively, and from the beginning, honestly, it was all it's all St. Pauli. I think in this one, and I'm curious your thoughts on this. Uh, eventually, you know, it seemed they have wave after wave of attack in this one, and then ultimately, what in the 20th minute or so after what three chances in a row that longer made two great saves, but it looked like three great saves. All of a sudden people are crying for a handball. They go to VAR. Initially I didn't see it. I thought this was a bogus call, but then after like, I don't know which replay it was, you saw Templeman with a clear handball at the top of the box, trying to cover his face. I get why he was doing that, but you're in the box. I mean, what are your thoughts on that whole play? And even the plays leading up to that. Cause I mean, the first 20 minutes, I thought all St. Pauli in my opinion. Uh, yeah, I, I would agree. Um, first half was not good at all. Um, same probably with the majority of the possession. We looked all over the place, um, you know, defensively. Uh, that that kind of pinball action that you were talking about leading up to the penalty that Templeman gives away. Um, I, that was one of, I think, two of those kind of situations in the first half. Where we just could not clear the ball for whatever reason. <laughs> yeah. Somehow avoided them scoring. There was another one of those in the second half. Just We had yeah. just some moments where we just, you know, look completely inept. Part of that maybe he's longer not commanding his area as much as he should in this one. But, I mean, he's third string at this point. So I'm not, like, you know, criticizing him. And I thought he did reasonably well. Yeah. Um, I, all things considered, made a big save in the second half at one point, too. Um, but, yeah, Templeman, I mean, you can make the argument he's, he's trying to uh, – you know, cover his face. I understand that. Um, I think his arms were still fairly far away in terms of disrupting a shot. But yeah, it's, it's an unfortunate goal for Schalke to concede in that moment because, yeah, like I said, it comes off of um, a shot from distance that just gets blocked. And uh, the thing that you and I were talking about coming into this 
match last on the last pod was that you know St. Pauli is high up in the table, but they've done it with sort of these not particularly exciting games, a lot of low scoring, you know, not, not conceding a lot of goals, but not scoring a lot of goals, um, you know, minimal action. And so naturally we start off the game <laughs> by giving them a, like a cheap penalty in like the 20th minute to go. help their offense out and get them on. And I'm just like, of course, that's what we would do. Like the total game script in terms of what we want to avoid. So that was very frustrating. And as you know, the comments in the chat right now are saying first 30 minutes were just as shit as against, you know, Magdeburg. Um, and you've heard, you know, some some players speak to that as well in terms of we have to sort out how we're starting these matches because we're just we're just shooting ourselves in the foot, digging ourselves a hole. And then, you know, we spend the rest of the time trying to, you know, scramble um, to get back into things. And we make it more difficult when teams can bunker down against us after, you know, grabbing an early lead. Yeah, it, it, it's always bad when you try to give when you give the opposition, you give the opposition a penalty to start the game. St. Pauli didn't need it. Right, we always say don't beat ourselves. St. Pauli had majority of the possession, majority of the, the attempts, the, the chances in the first 20 or 30 minutes. We didn't have to give it to him, and we just gave away a penalty like that. And like I said, I we, we both get why Templeman did what he did, but you got to be smarter about that. And he was pretty much out like like this versus like 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 this or something. I could and I could see maybe the referee, I don't know, letting it go or something like that. But yeah, it's, it was not a natural position or whatever you want to call it. And penalty is a penalty, and they get the lead up there right away. Uh, I like the response from Schalke, though it was a little bit delayed. Unpopular opinion, Jack. I think Sebastian Poulter should be a starting striker. Um, not just because like his work rate, what we've seen. Simon Torotas had the same thing. They both can finish the ball. What I think that Poulter brings differently is the ability to wrangle in the long passes, especially from the goalkeeper situation. Uh, yeah, rare which time. is the only way we were trying to play in the second half. Yeah, right? that's all we yeah, were doing that's, essentially. But yeah. yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, no, and and we rarely see Simon Toroda wrangle one of those one of those long balls in or any long passes, and it seems Poulter does a very good job about that. It kind of springboards a play from there. But uh, we would end up getting a a, a goal in the uh, a nice play, really. So we started seeing pressure from Schalke, and eventually, you know, Thomas Oyan come down the left hand flank, made a nice cross. He's been doing this uh, pretty much all season long, and. You had two players come in the back door. You had Poulter in the front, the Kabadai in the back in the back door. And at first, you don't really see what happens, but what it is is wonderful cross and wonderful redirection by Poulter to get the goal in, uh, make it one-one at that point. And a fantastic play by him, fantastic play by Oyan, really. And it's a one-one at that point. I felt better, uh, but how did you feel up to that goal? And 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 this how in general, what you thought, what your thoughts are around that time? I mean, first of all, just quickly, I, I agree with your your, your take on uh, Poulter and, and Tirada there. I think um, that's something that we've talked about with Tirada for a long time on the pod is you would think with his size, he would be a little bit more effective on, you know, aerial duels yeah, yeah. Um, and actually some of that, that hold up play on the long ball situation. I do think Poulter is much more effective in that sense. He's still frustrating at times where there's there's moments where he looks like he's in good opportunities and just like somehow gets eaten up by the defense or squandered. But at least, yeah, I, I do think he's better there. Um, yeah, I mean – Uvian, I mean, like, I think I tweeted out at that point something like, 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 thank God, like somebody with a little bit of quality at that point, because it had been so just brutal on the offensive end with like I don't think we had anything up to that point. Yeah, it was bad. Um, and then it was actually funny because that play actually starts off on a pretty promising break for Schalke. And then Templeman like plays a ball behind Merkin, I think. That like yeah. totally kills the momentum of it. Yeah. Um, uh, and ultimately, you know, it uh it's like Uvian plays a ball into Merkin who kind of kicks it forward, and it's not St. Pauli's defender should probably be able to get to it, but to Ovian's credit, he runs after it, even though he yeah. shouldn't really have a chance at winning that, and kind of takes the guy by surprise, gets around it, gets his head up, and plays a ball, you know, a, a good ball in with with a little bit of pace and whip into a dangerous area. Was he going for Poulter? Was he going for Kabadai? 
I don't really care. You know, he got it yeah. in an area yeah. where both of them were sort of in play. And Poulter, you know, just gets a little deft foot on it, redirects it. And, and yeah, it's a really nice goal. Um, and we needed that, like you said, for the response and everything. And, like, yeah, Ovian, whatever his – I mean, there were times on the pitch last year, he looked like he was about to cry. You know what I yeah. mean? I don't know what was going on in his personal yeah. life or with, like, you know, his psychology. But, like, he was just a shell of the person that we saw in the second division previously. And this season looks and much more like himself, playing with confidence. I, he's also taking shots, like taking shots from distance. When he's yeah. playing like that, I really like that. I mean, it's not just his delivery. Like, you know, because every once in a while, you know, I'm the kind of guy who's just like, somebody just get something on frame and see if you can get a deflection or like create some chaos in the box. And like, I like a guy that can actually like, you know, get get some shots on target. Because um, the shots are pretty accurate from distance too. They usually do get on frame or get deflected. It's not like he's just like, you know, skying stuff over the, the yeah. top of the bar like Kavadai is. But anyway, um, yeah, good Good goal, good response, um, and uh, yeah, nice to see you know Poulter getting goal return. So yeah, and up to that up to that goal, we we were a shell of ourselves. We were just getting shellacked, you know, with the offensive chances by St. Pauli. And to you know, to the chat's credit, it's like yeah, first three minutes was a shit show. Uh, it was not good at all. What I noticed, we kind of righted ourselves after that, and we kind of saw ourselves out to the to, the, to halftime. I think uh, Longer had to make one or two saves after that. St. Pauli did look a little dangerous there, but you know what I've liked. Obviously, Thomas Oyan and and Merkin on the left hand side because Merkin I think should be playing up up top up higher than than he had been originally to start the season, um, and he's doing well. I think I think I agree with you. He's doing well up there, you know, playing alongside Poulter, um, and Thomas Oyan has that freedom to go up and down uh, and doesn't have to rely on him to be all the way up top. And Merkin can help him out a little bit. Uh, the defense is it is what it is, right? We we know that is a major weakness for the team at the moment. Uh, but a position, an area of the field that I thought was going to be a strength because there was depth, it seemed like there was depth, is the midfield. The midfield seems to be majorly a weakness at this point. It's not as bad as the defense, but it's pretty close. They can't hold on to the ball. And and obviously the best player in our team, without a shadow of doubt, is Odraogo, the 17-year-old. When he's in there, we look more competent in the midfield. At least he can transition from defense to the attack. When he's not in there, you got Schallenberg, and I'm starting to lose faith in Templeman now. I'm, I'm, I'll get on your camp now, right? Uh, and Seguin has after it's that, more he, it's more inconsistency from Templeman, by the way. He has he has positive moments, and like I like his work rate and stuff. He's just like he's way too yeah. he gives yeah for you. Yeah, right. Offensively, he just turns the ball around for no reason. Like, well, what are you doing? But he, he defensively does well. So maybe he's like as a double pivot, he'd be good. But you know what? The role that he's in is not great. And Seguin, after his goal, his wonderful goal against uh, Braunschweig, has kind of gone down ever since that play and so the midfield is not holding on to the ball we can't get the, the transition from the defense to the attack and the attack i think we're okay i think when we have the ball going forward with it's oyan merkin Kabadai, danger adjacent and Ian polter they can get goals they can figure out goals this can't get the ball to them is the problem and when our midfield isn't helping out the offense or defense especially defensively you see these runners come in we talked about this on the last podcast and and Baumgartel talked about this after the game is like we just can't do anything defensively and nobody knows what to do. And all these chances go one after the other, especially a team who doesn't score many goals like St. Pauli. They look like Magdeburg all of a sudden when they can score nine goals a game. It's uh, it's a little infuriating, but we made it out of the first half at least. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, we could have been a lot worse. Like we said, there's so much worse pinballing and everything. And, um, you know, I was concerned that we were going to concede several was certainly on the cards. They, they, they would have been good for it. So, uh, yeah, fortunate to get out what we did. Yeah, uh, Ryan seems to agree. He says the midfield seems to be the biggest problem at the moment. Uh, like, what's the defense supposed to do when our midfielders are giving the ball away for, you know, yeah, exactly, 80% of the time. Um, there was a nice adjustment by Rice and company 
after the break, I think the second half, we looked more competent. Uh, we had some really great opportunities early on. I thought um, it was a great couple of plays where Poulter got set up free. He made some nice move around the defender uh, to keep the ball and then gets a shot off, forced the goalkeeper to make a great save. Uh, later on, Merkin had a great opportunity that uh, Kabadai skied the ball. He said he could hit a barn door. I mean, he was all he had to do is like shoot it on target. It's going to go in. He couldn't even do that. Looked like DeSanto there in the shot. Sorry to bring that up, Jack. But yeah. It's it was better in the second half than than the first half. I I think you know that you were kind of saying earlier. What did you see from the boys? You know, as we came out of the gate in that second half. No, yeah, second half I thought was much better. We were we were competing. Uh, we had the majority of the possession. The second half shots were more way more even in terms of you know what we were able to get on frame and everything. Um, you know, it wasn't always the most creative uh, in possession, uh, but I think it was like effectively practical to some extent, but yeah, a little uninspired. Um, but uh, basically a lot of our, you know, front line kind of playing right on the edge of, of the back line and our center backs for who, for whatever reason, we're not getting pressed really that hard um, by the opposition, which allowed, you know, both Baumgartel and especially Kaminsky just kind of sit and kind of like, you know, play back and forth until they thought they had an opportunity to kind of play a through ball, a little like dink over the top. Um, is that, you know, you know, efficient, necessarily like i don't know i mean like you're going to give away the ball a lot of times but yeah. um you know kaminsky is actually good at that you know yeah. that's one of his strengths and there were some opportunities he played one over the top to merkin in the second half where merkin took like three really great touches in a row to beat a defender and set himself up and then the last one just got away from him um yeah. kabadavi came in and, and you know missed missed the shot over the top which probably should have been a goal there um so i mean like look we had opportunities in the second half for sure uh we created opportunities where we should have scored Polter had opportunities, Kavadai had opportunities. Um, we just couldn't finish it off. Um, and then, uh, you know, I, I think ultimately one, one spot of bad kind of the the man-to-man defense that we saw rear head was actually Kaminsky who kind of lost his guy. And then, you know, the, the, yeah. the last goal is deflected goal off of college. Oh, so I thought we actually – yeah, yeah I, I thought we played much better. thought the, the scoreline in the second half was, I think, a little bit flattering for St. Pauli uh, ultimately. Yeah. Um, and I like the substitutions. I said before the game when we were talking in the uh, in the Discord, we have a fun bench at least in terms of the options. And we ended up seeing Kazuki, Oedraogo, and, and top. Keke Top, which yeah, which I think like any anybody who's like interested in the youth and sort of the uh, you know some of the sparks and everything um, would have liked to see. How, how did you feel about it? Yeah, I think you know again. Well, we kind of alluded to this earlier, but it seems like the direct play seemed to be the the, the play of choice for Schalke. Not only the defenders, like you mentioned, but as well as Michel Langer. I mean, luckily for them, you had Poulter up top, who was corralling most of those plays. Uh, one of the goals, I think, um, kind of sparked all that. Uh, one of the goals, we always scored one goal. Uh, but, oh, the goal the goal did get sparked by the long ball because it went to Poulter, and Poulter kind of uh, corralled the ball, and then they kept possession. That's when the goal eventually happened from that. But we saw that a lot happen, and especially in the second half. And then I thought... It started relying it too much, right? It's it's good to do it every now and then, sprinkle it around, mix it mix it in with your some of your your tactics. But they seem to do it way too often. It seemed like, and it's like, okay, you're just you're shooting hail marys at this point. It's like you know playing uh, Super Nintendo or something like that. Um, Jack, I know this before your time. I don't know if you know Super Nintendo, <laughs> but no, I think it was I think it was great to see like Oh Drago come to bench and Kazuki. I thought once even even while we were looking, we we're getting these chances, quality chances in the second half. It still was bypassing that midfield with a midfield that was a problem, and I think it wasn't until we saw Odarago come on the pitch, uh, and even Kazuki, even though he's more pushed, more more further up in his positioning, um, that's where we started seeing a good transition between the defense to the midfield, and 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 I agree with one of the comments here and saying that you know 
Well, the games that we've seen all Drago like way up high, like we're in a Kazuki type position or Merkin type position. Yes, he can create, but he doesn't do as much for the team as he does when he's in that midfield as a box to box. And he can really get the ball deep and then drive the ball and, and spread it out to whomever. You saw when he did that, Templeman had well, had some opportunities as well. Uh, so we did look a little bit better at that point. And, but like I said, end of the game, that goal happened. Uh, I don't know if you caught it, but I, I, I caught it on the second replay of it where uh, Thomas Oyan, when he throws the ball in, he pulls up because he pulls like his calf muscle and he could, like, couldn't walk. And then all of a sudden it's a turnover. It goes the other way. And really it's Kaminsky losing his man, like you said, and him off a Kalash. And that's just, it was a 92nd minute at that point. I thought we were doing, the score was d- flattering for St. Pauli to an extent. I do think that they were the better team overall in the 90. I thought, you know, I deserved a win for sure, but I, I thought agree, yeah. they were much closer than, than what you saw. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think overall, we were the better team in the second half. I think they were the better team by a wider margin in the first half. And obviously still created some data for the second half regardless. Um, The one thing I'll say about Drago real quick is, and you could disagree with this argument. I think at this point in his career, he is inherently a luxury player. And you're, you're, you're making that calculation. And so that cost risk analysis, like when you decide to play him, like I, I don't want to, um, you know, make excuses for younger players in this sense. If you are, and then maybe he is being told to play higher up a lot of the times by Rice, whatever. But like, let's say he's drifting out of position or isn't really putting in a defensive work right. If you want to make that argument, um, I think the the, the tactical awareness, um, and you know, you understanding where you are in the pitch and your responsibilities. I think that stuff inherently comes more and more with age. And that you yeah. tend to see those deficiencies from younger players anyway. I think the reason you're playing a 17 year old in a way Drago is not for what he's bringing you in that it's for what he's doing when he has the ball at his feet yeah. um, and how he can link up with play and that kind of stuff. And so I think you, you're kind of, you know, taking that, you know, when you play him anyway. Um, and I don't have an issue with that. I think, I think he's worth it, especially when we when we're lacking the quality we're lacking in midfield in other areas of the pitch. Anyway, I think we need him at least, at least in a cameo role like we saw today at a minimum. I, I, I have been pleased that he's been getting, you know, the starting run yeah. as well. I, uh, I I mean, I almost think at this point with the defi- deficiencies defensively from both midfield and the defense, I think we need to almost go to a double pivot midfielder situation with, you know, whether Schallenberg and, and Toppelman or whomever, and then bring in Odrago as a more attacking type midfielder. So that way he can be there. He's there for the bringing the transition and bringing the, the drives into the box and spreading it out. Uh, Toppelman seems to do better when he doesn't have to be overly reliant on the offensive ball, especially when Seguin isn't doing anything. Um, so I'd like to see that a little bit more. I mean, like I said, it depends on how you want to play him, but you have to understand that he is young. He's 17. And so having, I think if you sure up the defense with two, two holding midfielders, it'll help the defense some, but you know, we talked about this in the pod probably all season long. Um, but uh, Bob Gardle, uh, decided to uh, talk about it uh, <laughs> on an interview. Uh, and basically he said, uh, let me find the words here. He says, um, well, he, this is where he apologized. I'm gonna, let me find it, find the words. Here we go. He says, uh, it can't go on like this uh, is what he's telling. I think it was Sky is who he was talking to. So he's like, um, uh, where is the quote star? He goes, go, you know, uh, where, da, 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 da. okay, this is the coach's philosophy. He tells us that. That's why we do it as a team. But it's clear if you watch the first 20 or 30 minutes, it's brutally, brutally difficult when an opponent does it well. Uh, if you're behind on one on one, that's obviously risky and it's going to be so difficult for us to get a strong teams against St. Pauli, St. Pauli or Magdeburg. But we can't complain when it's three nothing and it's 30 minutes down, right? It's like this, we can't go on like this. This is this is too much. Uh, he says we're constantly exchanging ideas, you know, in the back room, trying to adjust things, but it always comes back to the same thing, you know, back whatever the coach wants. And in the first 30 minutes, 
you, you can't catch up when you're down two or three goals. Even if we can score goals, you you know, 15 goals is conceded in seven games. That's brutal. It can't go on. Uh, and obviously, it drew the ire of the management, uh, in particular one Thomas Rice. Uh, and, and eventually what we saw, I think a day later, even hours later, was uh, Baumgartel come out and say, you know, hey, what I triggered with my statement was not my intention. I should not, uh, that should not happen to a player with my experience. Um, and that's why I asked Thomas Rice and uh, Andre Henkelman to apologize. And I'm very happy that he accepted it. I know that now I am challenged. Uh, basically, what came out of that, Jack, is that he received a suspension. Well, they didn't quite say suspension, but he's playing with, he's with the U23s right now. He's definitely getting fined. Um, but, uh, he, he spoke the truth. I mean, it's what we've been saying all season long on here, Jack. It's maybe he's the only one listening to our podcast. I don't know, but, uh, <laughs> what, what are your thoughts? I mean, there's some, obviously some comments on our discord about it, but what, what are your thoughts on this? I, I don't think he would. So first of all, I'll say this. I think as far as what could have been said, what he ultimately said was fairly mild. Yeah. I don't think it was that aggressive. Um, and I think it was phrased sort of ambiguously enough, like in, in terms of like, you know, still sharing some responsibility for it and also kind of admitting that he can't really execute the game plan, um, which, you know, could be partially. But I mean, like, I, I think it could have been much more scorched earth if he wanted it to be. Sure. Um, I also think I don't think he would have said that if he was alone in feeling that way. I think that's probably somebody having the confidence to say that because they know that there is a base of support for that opinion yeah. Yeah. Um, amongst portions of the team i know that that's and that's what i was speaking to at the beginning is that it does seem like it's a fractured locker at the moment where there are thomas rice supporters and there are you know a faction that is questioning at a minute just at a minimum questioning things if not you know outright you know wishing for a uh, a change up top but uh how yeah so i guess my question is how do you feel about the response from shalka um Part of me doesn't like it, and then part of me is like, well, if they're actually worried about the locker room, maybe this is kind of a strong show that immediately tries to nip this action in the bud by actually kind of coming out with kind of like a, a you know punishment for him that's like public, as opposed to just kind of dealing with it internally. Um, but I don't know. I'm conflicted about it. How do you feel? I, I, I too, am conflicted because, yeah, one, you know, you don't want those comments. You don't want people to start saying whatever the hell they want to say in the locker room, right? You do kind of want to nip it in the butt. However, it does show that maybe there is a fracture. Maybe Rice is, as someone said in the Discord, is is being triggered by these, and he's showing his frustrations by lashing out at the player as he did. Uh, and also, it's it goes against the team's morale when heckleman comes in and says you know i we agree 100 with with rice now what are they going to say they're kind of their hands are kind of tied right are they going to come out and say oh rice is wrong no they're not going to say that uh so that you know they but by saying what you know andreas heckleman said it the team's morale has got to go down because if there is this uh group of players who do feel the same way and you got to imagine they do it just means like that the disconnect is even greater there right and we're in we're in a relegation spot at the moment which is unbelievable uh but do I think his head's on the chopping block right now? No. Um, but I think if we see a couple more performances here in the next couple of weeks, we got uh, obviously Paderborn coming up this Friday, followed by um, Hertha Berlin, which is going to be a big one for us. And then after that, it's going to be Karlsruhe. I mean, so if, within these next three games, we see continued, you know, ineptitude on the defensive side of the ball. I could see where if we're, we're languishing in a relegation spot, they're just going to pull the trigger early. Um, 
it would look bad on management. I mean, see, I don't get this because like what drives me crazy is that this team was so good defensively under Rice last year. And it's for whatever reason this year, they can't figure it out. And I don't know if they want to play. Maybe Manjo said, hey, let's play attractive scoring South I mean, soccer. Per, per, to be fair, personnel is part of that. Although you would yeah. expect with the drop in quality division two, that it would have been this much of a drop off. But I feel you. Yeah, you know, 100%. Uh, says there's a poll on Twitter from Shaka journalists. And 90% of the fans thought the punishment was BS. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, I definitely thought a fine should have been something, right? But sending to the U23s is trying to send a clear message to the team. And I think Ryan's comment in the chat from Twitch is kind of summarizes how I most closely feel, which is that like I understand the potential logic of it from like a you know organizational standpoint. Um, although I do question if it is the right logic play anyway. And yeah, just something about it feels wrong because I don't think it was that harsh of a statement. And I think yep. the players probably have a right to be frustrated at the moment. And um, I don't know, I think it almost creates a bigger scene than it needed to. If he had made those comments and no one did anything about it, I don't think there's going to be it that much reporting on those comments. Yeah. Even a couple of days later, I think we're talking about it for longer than we probably would have if that had just been something that was said in the post game and then left that way. You know what I mean? But yeah. that's just me. What I would have liked to say, seen done or seen happen, and I and I say this, you know, and not only it happens in sports, but I think also in work, just in work life in general, is like. When you got issues like that, you do it behind closed doors. You don't do it in front of the open where everybody in the public so everybody can, you know, comment on it. If there was an issue, you know, Bob Gordo should have spoken up, but do it in the locker room. Don't do it in front of the media. Don't do it to Sky or whoever the hell he, he spoke to. That way, you know, if they're going to have their, the quarrels, you know, there's, a, there's a quarrel behind the scenes and maybe nobody gets punished at that point, right? It's just like he spoke over the team. If one of the company policies, team policies is you don't talk back, talk bad about the team in public, and I can see, you know, why why they would have suspended him and, and find him. Um, it's a tricky situation, and at this point, the team, or more so Rice and and the management, are walking on eggshells now because they have to be. They have to, especially his management team, you know, with with his assistant coaches, they're gonna have to get it right here, especially defensively going forward. Um, I mean, maybe we have to employ similar tactics to say Pauli, meaning defense first and then try to score goals. So I think we can score goals with this team. But we need to do better, shore up the ball defensively, and then work on our transition game because our midfield seems non-existent at the point. It's not helping things. So it, it's a difficult one for me. Uh, but, you know, we have some players getting healthy now, so maybe that'll help. Um, obviously, it doesn't help when we hear rumors that Fairman's, you know, you know, not feeling great in the, as a backup role, uh, you know, from the locker room chatter that we hear, whether it's true or not, I don't know. But... Uh, yeah, just something doesn't seem right with the players at the moment, and uh, it kind of reared its head. <clears throat> no, I mean, like, I think I think Barb McGraw was expressing like this is a this is a high risk way to set up the team. Yeah, uh, and, it's and 100% he's true. not wrong because we have the second worst defensive record in the league next to like Onusbrook at the moment. Um, what do we concede at fifteen goals now? I mean, yeah. like, I mean, he's not he's not incorrect. Um, yeah, correct. So yeah, it's 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 a tough one for me. Also, keep in mind, I'm also a Bears fan. So um, I'm, a I'm not doing, I'm, yeah, I'm not doing well at the moment. Uh, <laughs> no, me neither. The, the, yeah, it's, it's not fun times for your boy. Uh, <laughs> uh, and we got a Jets in the house too. Yeah, I, I feel you. Um, <laughs> sorry, Ryan. Anyway, sorry. We just crossed over to NFL there for a second. Sorry to the actual German football fans. Um, yeah. But like I said, second half, I mean, like, I, I don't understand why it takes a halftime speech for Rice to get the team under control because, you know, as, yes. you know, was commented in the chat, like the first 30 minutes have been atrocious, you know, multiple times this season, two yes. consecutive games in a row now. Um, and then second half, we come out, we look much better overall. I'm not saying we look you know, amazing, but like 
where is that and why is that not achievable from the get-go? They, they, they supposedly train well all week. They're optimistic. You know, they're talking about what they need to do, and then they get on the pitch, and, you know, they just look completely out of sorts um, as, you know, initially at least. It's, it's, it's very strange. Yeah, I mean, like Lars said, like we had we had this tactic against Magdeburg, and granted, Magdeburg they give up a lot of goals, but they score a lot of goals. They're very good offensively, uh, and they tried the same thing against against St. Pauli. It's not like St. Pauli scoring goals for fun this year, like you mentioned, but they have talent on their team. They certainly have talent on their team. You don't want to give a team that is good that's playing in front of their home crowd, which is awesome, and give them any kind of chance to to, to flourish. And we certainly did that. And I think we've seen this multiple times this year where we started poorly. There's key uh, issues defensively, and we haven't figured any of that out. Which personnel has got to be got to be it, one of the main issues. But also the tactics. Yeah, your personnel sucks. You know, I, I assume that's what Rice is thinking. But you need to adjust your game plan to make up for that issue for those deficiencies, right? Well, that's load the midfield, right? Play maybe three, three in the back with five in the middle to kind of clog that midfield to kind of slow things down. Uh, something than what they're doing because they're giving away too many shots, way too many opportunities. Our goalkeepers all season long have had to make save after save. It wasn't quite nine saves like Mueller had to make in, against Hamburg, but it's close. Yeah. It's going to be less sustainable now that we don't have either of those guys too because now yeah. we're working with Lager, and if Lager goes down or you know, whatever, plays poorly, you know, Harrington or whatever. So, um, yeah, that, that sort of bend but hope the goalkeeper stops you from breaking is not going to be viable. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I kind of said I'm, I'm, I'm losing – I'm losing patience with Templeman, but even you know, even prior to this game, the comments had nothing to do with it. I'm losing, I'm losing patience with Baumgartel, honestly, too. I, I kind of want to see Kalash. We did see him for a couple minutes, and uh, the ball unfortunately went off of him at the end. You can't really blame him for that, but uh, it, it, the defensive parent isn't working at the moment. And maybe, it, maybe it is pure tactics. Who knows? I don't know. But something's got to change, and we can't just keep doing the same thing over and over every week and expect the results to change. That's madness. That's a, that's that's a pure definition of madness, right? So uh, we'll we'll see what happens because we got a we got a quick turnaround here coming to this Friday against uh, a Paderborn team we have to beat because you know look at the standings here. Uh, Paderborn currently sit in 15th place, so they're direct rivals. We have to win this. Yeah, I agree. Important uh, important game early in the season. It is. It is. Uh, let me let me show some of the other results because. We are in 16th place for a reason, uh, and that's based off some of the results that we saw this weekend. Um, there we go. So uh, Hamburg lost, which is uh, one of the first losses of the season. Surprising loss to uh, Osnabrück. Magdeburg drew Paderborn. So obviously, you know, maybe Paderborn has a good defense. Who knows? Uh, Elversburg beat Wiesbaden. Uh, Greuther Firth won despite having a red card against Karlsruhe. Uh, Braunschweig tied Nuremberg. Obviously, we know our score. Holsten Kiel lost a hurt to Berlin. Hurt to Berlin got a win, uh, but there's a red card to help with that. And then uh, Carl uh, Kaiserslautern beat Hansa, uh, Hansa Rostock 3-1. So, yeah, with all those results happening, we, we are way down in, in the relegation spot, which is uh, traumatizing, to say the least. Uh, obviously, I thought these two teams would be down here, uh, even Wiesbaden to an extent and Greuther Firth, but uh, certainly not us. And, yeah, we don't change around the next three games. Um, yeah, P- Paderborn and us, it's like the, uh, the hot ones, I mean, where it's like, you know, Look at us. Who would have thought? Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah good old Paul Rudd. Tail, but yeah. there we are. Look at us. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Dusseldorf at the top. Look at that. Uh, St. Pauli, Hamburg at the top with uh, Kaiserslautern. It's nice to see Kaiserslautern up there, but but not at our expense. You know, um, I think some of these, certainly of these top six teams, I would say you know certainly Magdeburg, Hamburg, and St. Pauli should be in there. Even Holstein Kiel. 
but some of the other ones are nice surprise, and I think they will drop off. I don't expect Dusseldorf to hold on to this kind of form, either Kaiserslautern or Hanover, but uh, we'll see, right? I mean, Hertha Berlin's got to, uh, somehow they're ahead of us now on points, which is ridiculous. Uh, but yeah, it's not looking good. Uh, hopefully, we can figure it out here soon. Uh, international break's coming up very, very soon, so. Uh, it'd be nice to get some string of results before we head to that. Before we get to that point, there, Jack. Because uh, I think if nothing does, if it continues to spiral, we could be looking at a new manager here. I miss Marius Bolter. <laughs> Me too. I do too. Hey, but speaking of that, not quite Marius Bolter. We do have some uh, personnel news. Uh, Fairman, Drexler, Toroda, and Cisse are all working individually in practice now. Kataman is completing parts of team training, which is good. Didn't think we we're going to see him for a long time. And uh, Lastman has been able to return to full training now. So, I mean, once we get Lastman back, Kahneman back, uh, it would be nice. Obviously, having Drexler in the midfield. Now we're cooking with gasoline. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll see. But again, Hopefully. it's a midfield that's going to have to figure it out, I think. We're not going to get better until midfield gets better. And maybe that, you know, I don't know. We got they, Rice and company have to figure something out. Um, well, well, yeah, I don't know, man. So it's, it's going to be an interesting season here, but... Uh, Let's see what we can do here the next time. I miss, I miss Jensen Kraus every day. Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. God, Tom uh, Kraus was so good. I love him. He was. I know. I know. Me too. We're only seven points off the top of the table. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But we're, we're, we're below Hertha Berlin. So, uh, anyway. Uh, anything else you want to talk about? Or get out of here. And nah, let's get out of here. With our, with our tail between our legs, right? Uh, yeah, game against the game is this Friday, 12.30 Eastern time, 11.30 Jack time in Chicagoland. Uh, yeah, it's not going to be televised. This last game was televised on ESPN Plus for those in the States. Uh, we'll have to, you'll have to find it by hook or by crook uh, this this Friday. So I'll, I'll see if I can get the game going or not. Uh, depends on how things shape up at work. But uh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, Jack, where can our followers find you on social media? At JM Mangan, J M M A N G A N on Twitter. Prime season, mid season form, mid season form there. Uh, shout out to everyone on the Discord and everyone on the and listening in the chat, listening on to this podcast. Uh, if you haven't done so yet, make sure you subscribe to our YouTube page. Uh, subscribe, like, leave comments. We'd much appreciate it. You could follow me at R underscore K H A R M A N. But more importantly, follow Shock America everywhere on social media. Give us a shout. And again, if you're not in the Discord, jump in there. Some good people there. We saw Eric German on here last week. Shout out to him uh, for joining us on episode 200. We'll try to do some more things with our with our Discord peeps here uh, in, the, in the future here. And we're also trying to get some more guests on here. I saw Matthew Karagic with a nice uh, comment previewing the game to uh, Schalke and St. Pauli. So I'd be good to catch up with uh, him and, and Ava, uh, who we haven't talked to in a while, actually. So uh, but anyway, uh, let's get out of here, Jack. And uh Let's just try to get a result this weekend. Uh, um, I'll do my best. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Between Schalke and our football teams, uh, it's been fun. So, all right. We'll catch you guys soon. Klukau. Klukau.